The Minnesota Vikings played the Philadelphia Eagles tough, ultimately having a comeback effort come short. Some stuff went good, some stuff went bad, and ultimately none of it matters because they fumbled four freaking times. Welcome to the Locked on Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three, you like it! You are Locked on Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun. Let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether it is Sirius XM, where you can find me sometimes on Sirius XM Fantasy Show. Uh, I've been on that a couple of times now, but you can also listen to games live, uh, including uh, I hope you'll enjoy a whole bunch on Sunday. Not that there's no Vikings game to, to pin you down. As well as you can also find the show on YouTube and Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Thank you so much to those of you who do listen to the show every single day. My ultra loyal hashtag everydayers. I love you all. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for twenty bucks off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Vikings lose 34 to 28 is uh, the final score there. Big bummer uh, analysis of the game. The Vikings fumbled four times and lost all of them. A fifth one, but it was uh, nullified by a fortuitous penalty. Uh, that's why the Vikings lost. Thank you so much for listening to the Lockdown Vikings podcast. I'll see you guys all next weekend. <laughs> like what else is there to say? Don't fumble four times. You have seven fumbles. You're killing me. What is going on? They hang on to the ball. This is like the first thing. That they teach you when you're seven years old and you're putting on pads for the first time in a peewee program. Hold on to the ball. The Vikings matched the fumble-itis problem from the 2009 NFC Championship game. Like, the fumble game. We did that again. And still got within six points, which makes it so hard to parse out, like, emotionally. Because on one hand, oh my god, stop fumbling, right? You want to put a fist through your TV. But on the other hand, hey, look, there's a lot of stuff that they did well. And if you can clean up just the fumbles, which you would think shouldn't be that hard, maybe there's an actual team here. But the window for that kind of closes. I, it's a long season. There's 15 games left, right? Go beat the Chargers and I forget, Carolina, week four. Go beat the Chargers, beat Carolina. Suddenly you're two and two going into a tough Chiefs game and it doesn't feel nearly as bad, but that does require two wins in a row. So go figure it out and stop fumbling. Oh my God, hang on to the ball. Seven fumbles in one game is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm counting it as eight because a stupid offsides penalty because someone lined up in the neutral zone does not absolve you of your crimes, Alexander Madison. Hang on to the gosh darn football. After the game, Kevin O'Connell said, you know, hey, we emphasize ball security every day, but ultimately, you know, that means we're doing something wrong as coaches, right? We got to be able to get these guys coached up. And you would think that after a three fumble game, it would have been a point of emphasis, but apparently... Very difficult. The four fumbles in question, the first one came on a pretty good punt return from Brandon Powell. He actually was returning one and lost his ball security. The second one came on the ensuing possession. Alexander Madison fumbles the ball getting taken down. Later on in the game, Kirk Cousins takes a strip sack. and the, Or no, it was the Jefferson one, then Kirk Cousins takes a strip sack after halftime. Going down the field to halftime, the Vikings get burned by the worst rule in football. Uh, spare me your weird traditionalism about it. That rule sucks for a whole bunch of like objective reasons. Nobody's come up with a good argument for, uh, but the rule goes, if you're 
lurching toward the end zone, as the NFL loves to see players do and put in their sizzle reels, and the ball comes loose, depending on if it's an inch over the pylon or if it's on the sideline, is the difference between the ball being put at the spot of the fumble or at the, at, at the spot it went out of bounds, depending on the circumstance, um, or uh, touchback, ball on the 25-yard line, other team. It's like such a swingy thing that can happen uh, in a way, like for a reason that really doesn't reflect on anybody either way. Um, my opinion on the on the fumble rule, and I, I've been complaining about this rule for years and years and years. Don't don't mistake me for someone complaining about this just because it impacted the Vikings this time. But it turned into a 10-point swing. Uh, it was 30 seconds left, and the Vikings' lackadaisical run defense, which we will get to, uh, let the Eagles run it all the way down to, to range to kick a booming long field goal, and nobody's ever missed a 60-yard field goal against the Vikings. It's insane. In fact, somebody looked up this stat in the middle of the game. The Vikings are, were the opponent for eight different teams franchise long field goals. Eight teams set their longest field goal against us. I don't even know how to process that. That can only be bad luck. That's completely insane. <laughs> but... I digress. Point is, Justin Jefferson fumbles it out of the end zone, and you have a Kirk Cousins strip sack later. For my money on the on the fumble like touchback rule, I just think it sucks because a it is discouraging one of the coolest things we see in the sport, which is these like lunges out for the pylon. I don't think that that should be something that is punished. I don't think that's something that I I think that's something that that we we should enjoy and that players should be able to do. I mean, look. If you do that in the middle of the field and you're reaching for the pylon and you fumble and the other team recovers, you are still risking that. But I personally think the defense should recover the ball to get the ball. I don't think I don't think the, the defense should just get the ball when the ball falls out. I you got to get the ball to get the ball. You nobody gets a word. That's a participation trophy. Get out of here with that. I've seen some people say, well, if you fumble it out of bounds, you know, further back in the field, the offense keeps the ball and then the defense gets it if at the end zone. That doesn't make any sense. And I agree with them and I've seen people retort to that with, okay, defense gets the ball in all phases then, no matter where you are in the field. And I'm much more sympathetic to that, honestly. Just make something consistent that's intuitive, that makes sense and um, that removes weird technicalities that feel like they swing the game by 10 points because of like strange loopholes. I don't know. It just doesn't make for a good watching product to me. And I would be saying that if this were a Steelers Buccaneers game too. And then on the Cousins strip sack, it was Ole Udo getting beat around the side by Josh Sweat. Later, Ole Udo um, on another rep against Josh Sweat. Unfortunately, he took, uh, I, I don't know if it was a weird step or something like that, uh, but he did hurt his knee, carted off. Kevin O'Connell said it doesn't look good after uh, the game. And whenever you get that, that's pretty bad news almost all of the time. Um, so, of course, we have to wait for confirmation and MRI and all of that stuff. But I'm going to guess Ole Udo's season is over, uh, which really sucks, of course, both because, uh, I mean, Ole Udo has had a bit of a year. And this is just like kind of another thing that's gone wrong for him this year. But... Also, the Vikings traded away Vidarian Lowe, and now, boy, they sure could use him, um, which is not like if they didn't trade away Vidarian Lowe, they probably would have traded away Oli Udo for less. Like, I don't think they were ever going to keep both of those guys. So it's hard to be like, oh, they, keep, they, they kept the one that was going to get a knee injury. Like, that's I don't know. That doesn't feel like particularly compelling to me. Uh, but now David Questenberry is the guy that went in. Christian Derisaw with his ankle ended up not going. He re-aggravated his ankle injury in warmups. He felt good enough to declare as an active, 
And then after he had declared as an active for the actual game warm-up, he re-aggravated the ankle injury and had to be shut down again. So that is incredibly unfortunate, and we'll see how that progresses because I think we're, we're, we've taken kind of one step forward and two steps back on that ankle injury. Now we got to see how it goes for more. I don't think we're out of the woods at all yet on that. Uh, and Marcus Davenport also functionally didn't play. Garrett Bradbury was ruled out early in the week. Uh, Davenport did play one snap, and I bet that goes toward like a starts incentive, which I'm sure the Vikings were just kind of doing him a solid there. Uh, but otherwise, he didn't actually play anything. He played one snap. The It was a run that went away from him, and then that was it. It was Wanham and Patrick Jones for the rest of the game. Speaking of run defense, my goodness, I am going to light into that run defense. It was utterly pathetic, and they deserve no sympathy. Um, and I also want to just kind of muse a little bit about where the Vikings are at and, and being 0-2 and the problems that uh, they have to solve here and, and kind of where this season can go. Before I get into any of that, though, hey, look, U.S. Bank Stadium is a great place to go watch a game. And if you haven't, you should try to go get a ticket, watch a Vikings game there. Maybe you want to go watch uh, Vikings Chargers and watch the return of Eric Hendricks to U.S. Bank Stadium. That'd be pretty fun. Uh, Vikings Chargers is guaranteed to be a completely unhinged nonsense game. <laughs> whatever game you want to go to, or even if it's not a Vikings game, uh, you can find last minute tickets at game time. Look, it is getting down to last minute. If you want to find a game, find tickets to a game. That's not like the last one in December or whatever, like a lions game. Game time is the place to go and get it. Planning out this kind of stuff months in advance can be kind of hard. Sometimes you just watch the Vikings, you get really into it, and you're like, man, I wish I could go to a game. Game time can help you actually facilitate that. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. They give you images of your seats. You can uh, know that you're satisfied with the view. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone, so you don't have to deal with digging up an email in the in the line and holding up the whole line and feeling crazy. They're just sent like straight to your phone, so it's all set up. And they have a 110% game time guarantee. That means if you don't get the best price on game time, say you go find the tickets, same section, same row, uh, somewhere else for cheaper, they'll give you 110% back on your money. So it is worth your time to try. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NFL for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Once again, create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you again so much to my hashtag everydayers. Those of you who choose to suffer in Vikings fandom with me, let's all enter hell together. And hell in this particular case is Oh, and two it's over. That's it. Only 10% of teams who uh, start Oh, and two make the playoffs, which means you can't make the playoffs. As we know, uh, 10% is basically zero, right? It's functionally. Zero. Uh, I'm obviously joking there. So here's the deal. I say it's a long season for a reason. Um, it's a longer season than it used to be, right? The Oh, and two thing was more devastating when you didn't have one extra game to make it up. Um, now it's, I think Owen three is probably the real death sentence, which, Hey, we are now at risk of, we got to go beat the chargers and they're not an easy out. Uh, but we have a, a little bit of a half by here to regroup and try to figure our stuff out and, and get back together. But being Owen two, I think it's, it's really unfortunate for fans. Cause I think you spend a lot of time getting excited for the season. And now four days into it, it's like, you feel like it's the season is over and we're going, well, who are we drafting in 2024? Like the next thing you get to be excited about is in April. 
Uh, and we were like, so like, there was so much anticipation and waiting and, oh my God, we're so sick of the off season. And for some people, it like feels like the off season again. Like I'm, I'm suddenly seeing people in my mentions asking me, what do you think about this? Like kid from, uh, from Louisville or, you know, what free agents are, are coming out in March. And it's like the season's over. I hope you enjoyed it. It was four days long. Um, and I'm, I mean, of course that's an overreaction, right? But I but do what you got to do in a, in a primetime game when your team is losing. Here's what I'll say. If you just look at the schedule, right? They got to go beat the Chargers. They got to go beat Carolina. If you do that, you're two and two and you're going into a Chiefs game. If you're two and three after the Chiefs game, you're not feeling like the season's over anymore, right? I think it's really easy to be prisoners of the moment, to be really, really wrapped up in right now. Um, and right now, the Vikings haven't won a game since the last game of the regular season. They haven't won a meaningful game since they beat the Giants on Christmas Eve. Not since Christmas Eve. Have we seen the Vikings win a game and actually been happy about it? Because nobody cared about that that meaningless Week 18 game against Chicago. That was over by halftime and nobody cared. Uh, it's been a long. That's a long time for when we got 13 wins and now we haven't had one in like six calendar months. And so I sort of I sympathize with the lack of patience, but I also am always going to be one that sort of uh, advocates a little bit more patience, and that's. That's all I ask, right? And look, if you're the kind of fan that if it's not a suit, if it's not the 1998, you know, Super Bowl season, you just can't quite get up and get the energy for it. And you're somebody that maybe just really more appreciates during free agency in the draft. That's fine. I'll see you in March. I'll see you in April. Um, but I don't think that that's most of you. I think most of you are still going to watch on Sunday, even if you say you're not going to. Uh, I'll see you on Sunday. But some other quick odds and ends I want to get to before I uh, absolutely let it rip on the run defense, which deserves scorn. The There are a couple of quick things. Um, Josh Metellus went out briefly in this game. He, he got some kind of shoulder thing. He did come back in the game. But interestingly, in his place, it was Theo Jackson instead of Lewis Seen. Um, so... Kevin Seifert said that it was that way since around like mid camp. Um, I didn't really see that. I, I, I guess it's kind of hard to tell because when it's, it was, you know, nickel with the twos or big nickel with the twos, all three of those safeties would be out. So it was hard to tell like who was first, who was second. I don't know. Maybe that was like a source thing he sat on till now, but um, either way, when push came to shove, it was Theo Jackson. Now, Lewis seems fifth on the safety depth chart. I do kind of have questions there uh, that I hope somebody asks, like Brian Flores, of of how rigid the positions are on, on safety in the safety room. Is it just we have six safeties and three of them are on the field and they all rotate and they all do everything kind of like wide receivers are? Or is it like closer to how like defensive line is where here's your tackles, here's your ends. If Harrison Phillips goes out, and Kyrie's Tonga comes in, it doesn't mean DJ Wanham is behind Kyrie's Tonga on the depth chart, right? They play different positions. And maybe that's the situation here. Uh, is Theo Jackson, you know, Josh Metellus plays big nickel. So he's lining up in the slot. He's lining up in the box. He's lining up not necessarily as a deep safety, really at all, except in like invert coverages. Um, that's Bynum and Harrison Smith. And sometimes Harrison Smith will play that box role, but I believe that's in base packages. Uh, and in single high coverages. So I, I don't know if I've seen Josh Metellus go deep all that often, but I, I don't know. I haven't like charted it or anything, so I could, I'm just going off the dome. But 
if that's the role and they decided that scene isn't ready for that role, but maybe he's like backup Bynum. So like if Bynum goes down, does Theo Jackson also come in for him? That I guess would be the question that I have. And I guess I have to assume yes, right? Because we've seen Theo Jackson get reps. We haven't seen Lewis Seen get reps. And if that's the case, that's probably it. Uh, that's rough to be fifth on the safety depth chart as a second year first round player. Even after you apply the level of patience, I think is appropriate because the dude lost his whole rookie year to injury. That's a rough place to be. Theo Jackson is also a second year player. He was an undrafted free agent that was like on practice squads. Like he's like not a necessarily he's like a barely 53 man roster player. If you're behind him, I start to ask, okay, if you weren't a first round pick, would you have made the team? Um, so those are my two questions, but the second one can be quelled if the first one has the right answer, right? If they're just going, no, 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 it's just a different position and, and we just have different roles there. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Caleb Evans also injured his leg in in uh, very late in this one after like the last or second to last play or something like that. So Makai Blackman had to go in for him. Um, I don't know if we actually saw a uh, classic nickel package, so I don't know who the next third corner would be. I, I guess it would have to be Andrew Booth, right? Of course, yeah, it would have to be. Um, so I don't think Booth actually got in but they only had they had like four reps after a Caleb Evans got hurt. So that's another thing to watch. And then, of course, we're still watching Davenport and Derisaw and Bradbury as we were before. Um, none of this matters if you hold on to the ball, but also if you can stop the run. The Eagles had a deeply, deeply, deeply embarrassing run rushing performance against the Vikings. Um, truly disrespectful and i mean the word disrespectful in as complimentary a way as possible to the to the eagles they were not scared of us and we didn't really give them a reason to be so i want to talk about what i think happened on that run defense and uh kind of how i think we got there <laughs> before i do that however i would like to talk to you about the sponsor of today's episode this episode is sponsored by better help uh therapy is what BetterHelp does. They will hook you up with a therapist that's like right for you and give you a lot of tools to help find a therapist that actually is right for you. I've been in therapy for a few years now. It has been instrumental in just me growing as a person, but it's not always like the most serious conversation. Like honestly, half the time we just talk about like what's going on in the NFL because like he's a big football fan too. Um, so sometimes we're just kind of chit chatting and sometimes it's nice to just like have an hour in your day to like sit down and just kind of talk to somebody and not really have anything else to worry about. And then sometimes it's, Hey, I'm having this problem. You know, can I talk it out with you? Uh, and that, that has all been very, very helpful for me and better help can get you hooked up with somebody that does that for you. They have all kinds of licensed therapists and they have, uh, the ability to refer you to someone. And then if you don't like that, someone, they can refer you to someone else and you can just kind of keep on going through people until you find a therapist that works for you. A lot of therapists do not work for everybody. In fact, all therapists do not work for everybody. Uh, and if you don't get the right person, you can get a really bad idea of what therapy actually is and then like throw up your hands and put the concept away forever. And I think that that's really bad. So go to betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. This episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. It's Daily Fantasy Made Easy, baby. Prize Picks is what I've been having the most fun, I think, with this season. Uh, it is just like two to six of your favorite players. And then it's a more than less than game. It's daily fantasy, but it's not traditional daily fantasy in the way that you would see it at that it, when it was like first introduced where you had to put together a whole fantasy lineup and you're trying to find the sleepers and all that stuff. And, and really you're entering a contest with a hundred thousand other people and someone's going to have the craziest outlier game ever. And you're never going to actually win. <laughs> uh, 
Prize Picks wants to simplify it. They want to say just you versus us, baby. It's you versus prize, prize Picks. If you want to join me, you can go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL, or you can download the PrizePicks app and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. There are a few things more frustrating as a football fan than watching the other team spam the exact same run play like 12 times in a row and then scoring a touchdown on it. You see exactly what's coming. You know exactly what they're going to do. They could tell you what the play call is, and they're still going to get it. It's absolutely nasty. Uh, and <laughs> it makes me uh, want to gouge my eyes out with tax. It's horrible. Uh, that is what the run game was. And there are a couple of things that I think went wrong here. I think for that extreme of a result, it always has to be a confluence of multiple things. You can't have like one guy play bad enough to have things go that poorly. It's so frustrating. The Vikings can never just like have not that great of a run game. Ah, you got like 150 on the ground. That wasn't very. No, it's got to be like 200 and everybody is like peeing on your grave at the end of it. Uh, And you're wondering if this sport is for you. Like it's insane how the Vikings find ways to take everything to the like entire extreme to the point where maybe we should just sell the franchise to London. It's horrible. Uh, I think all four of the defensive linemen had piss poor days against the run the only one i'll give a little credit to is harrison phillips who had a whole bunch of highlights as well but there were low lights so we'll call it an up and down day as for kyaris tonga jonathan bullard and dean lowry all of those guys need to pull their pants back up because they got pantsed all right they need to wipe all the crap off of their leg because they crapped down their leg it was horrifying to watch guards just pick them up and move them wherever they wanted to go um it is a personnel issue we need a spark Maybe that's Jaquel and Roy, who was a healthy scratch for the game. He's a run game specialist, so I think if he were suited up for the game, it maybe would have been helpful uh, to have him in there. He wasn't available. It is what it is. Maybe they'll have him active uh, next week. But it was disgusting. I mean, it's that is an unacceptable level of play in the run defense. The total yardage was just like dirt nasty. First off, the Eagles ran 75 plays, which is a factor of run defense and turnovers, right? When you turn the ball right over on a punt return and then like the first play of a drive, then the defense is going to get gassed. So I'll I'll cut them a little slack because they maybe were a little tall yet. But uh, also, I don't know, don't get spanked by dudes that bad. Even if you're tired, they played 75 plays too. Uh, That's, I think, something of an excuse. But the Eagles ran 250 for 259 yards on you. It's just insane. The Vikings had 28 rushing yards. They ran away from the run pretty quickly. A lot of that was being down, you know, 27 to seven. You got to kind of pass for the whole second half. Um, but they didn't run a lot in the first half either. It's just who Kevin O'Connell is. Uh, but having these 15, 16 play drives where they can just run six yards, six yards, six yards, six yards, just breaks your spirit. And the Vikings had their spirit broken. So I think there's a personnel issue. And I would not argue with even like a crazy splash trade on D-Tackle. I'm usually a little bit more uh, apprehensive about that kind of thing because it's really usually like the guy of the moment. And it's feels great to get a TJ Hawkinson and sometimes you get a Chase Claypool and there's a lot of risk there. Uh, you know, it's not the off season, right? Where we already built what we thought was going to be a complete roster. Let's find a way to win with them. Um, but that defensive line on the interior, completely unacceptable. And I don't want to absolve the edges either. Uh, Daniel Hunter was Daniel Hunter. I think he got like three sacks. Uh, but 
there were also moments where, you know, there were lanes that were too wide and it was horrible with uh, Wanham and Patrick Jones. Oh my God, it was nasty with those two guys. That just unacceptable up front. You just can't be that much weaker than the other guys. I know the Eagles have a good line. I know that they are a good team, but you can't be that much worse. You're still in the NFL, dog. This is not the SEC. This is not the Pac-12 or Pac-4 or however many of those guys are left. Defend the run. It's the first thing you do. It's the first thing every coach says. We start with the run. Then we go into coverage. Defend the damn run. All this guy's short week, lots of plays. You're tired. I know. But you cannot have a team absolutely walk you down the field like that. It is entirely unbecoming of a professional football organization. And I think the Vikings really need to look in the mirror and make changes. And one of those changes could be schematic. So here's what I think happened. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to draw this out uh, for those who are watching on YouTube or on like their smart TV or whatever. If you're just listening, I'll be as descriptive as possible, but I do recommend that you go because I'm going to try to like visualize this. All right. So I have a penny front drawn up here, which means five on the line of scrimmage and one Mike linebacker. This was often like Ivan Pace or it could have been Brian Osamoa. Also, uh, Jordan Hicks left the game with an injury as well. So the Vikings leaving this one a little bit banged up, too. Um, but if you will notice, this is a front that leaves the Vikings uh, not 100 percent gapped out. Um and for those who are listening, that means that for every gap, there isn't a defender. We don't have enough guys to fill every single gap, which means somebody has to cover two gaps. That can either be one of the defensive tackles, often the nose tackle, like Harrison Phillips, who will be what's called two-gapping, uh, which means he's responsible for... A a guy versus a gap. So he'll be head up on, say, the center, and then if it goes to the left or the right of the center in either A gap, that'll be his guy. Or it'll be on uh, the linebacker who will read some key and he'll try to kind of guess the gap that it's going into and he'll be responsible for two gaps that are often further away from each other. Um, so the running back, this is what DeAndre Swift could do, was being very patient, right? He could sit there and because... Dean Lowry and Tonga and all those guys and Bullard like weren't getting penetration at all. And oftentimes we're getting washed way down the river. Uh, they Deandre Swift could just kind of sit there and sit and wait and watch and force the linebacker to declare where he is going. That linebacker just stands there and stares at him as well. Eventually the offense is just going to take that space and you're going to get a pretty good run. So the linebacker would have to go pick that gap and declare and say, okay, this is the one that I am going to, whichever gap that it is. And wherever he would go, the back would go the other side and find some kind of space. And the other thing that happens here that makes this really easy is in these particular fronts, um, a lot of times the B gap, so between the center and the guard, is the one that is open uh, on either side here. And... That means that uh, you can collapse the B gap if you have an edge rusher that's really, really strong that can push these tackles to the inside. But we weren't winning those battles. So what would end up happening is the running back would go to a very widened, very unfilled gap. And the only person who could come in would be like a safety coming from way deep in their deep alignment with coverage. So the question becomes, okay, why didn't Brian Flores 
make an adjustment here. And my guess is that it has to do with coverage on the back end, which went really, really well. The Vikings really limited the, the Eagles pass game. They really didn't have a pass game to speak of. They, they won this game on the ground. Uh, and if it was working that well in coverage outside of a couple explosive plays where they got the top off the defense, but schematically things were working pretty well on through the air. And if it would require jeopardizing that to fix the run defense, maybe the solve is just hope somebody goes and makes a play and Hey, they certainly can't do that 12 plays in a row. Can they? And if they can, that's a pretty hard thing to do. And if we're going to lose to that, we'd rather lose to that than, you know, have them be able to to pass for 15-yard chunks all day. So that's what I think happened uh, in the run game. I'm not 100% confident in this, and I want to go look at some film, but it's a combination of getting crushed on your blocks and having a schematic prioritization of coverage that mixes with that getting crushed on blocks to create a really, really, really gaudy bad result. That simply cannot be repeated. Something has to change here. Whatever it is, that's up to the coaches. They're smarter than me. But um, something has to change, and it has to change fast. Anyways, thank you guys for uh, listening to this show and and hanging out every single day on the Locked on Vikings podcast. We'll be back next week. We'll pick up the pieces, and then we'll start preparing for the Chargers. I will see you all for that. And as always, 